Number one, the personality preferences conversation. And this is the first one in the self-reflection conversation section. Uh, and I always, I think of our mother on this one because she always says, you know, talking to herself keeps her sane. And I keep that in mind because I talk to myself a lot, you know, talking myself through things. Personality preferences conversation. So in this conversation, we use Myers-Briggs. And it's a tool that's been around for decades. It was based on the work of Carl Jung from the 1920s, a psychiatrist from Switzerland. And really they took his work and simplified it to what we now know as the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, MBTI. So we use that because it can be an indicator of how you react to change. And so we're gonna go through that today. I'm excited to take you through. I know you've done it before. You have a report. We're gonna go through and sort of see what each of us are and our different personalities. Uh, and then how that applies to change and how we react to change. Awesome. Right. So the Myers-Briggs type indicator preferences, there's four categories, four things that, that um, it tells you and provides insight on. So the first one is what gives you energy? This is going to be extroversion versus introversion. The second one is how you take in information. This is sensing versus um, intuition. The third one is how you make decisions. So thinking versus feeling, that head versus heart. And the fourth one is your approach to life. So it's judging versus perceiving. And judging isn't that you're more judgmental than someone else. It's usually it's just the name that they have given it. So we're going to go through each of those and see where we both fall out. It's interesting. I mean, having, you know, known each other all our lives, obviously, seeing our different personalities and how they've played out over the years. <laughs> which one's yeah, more organized? Always... Which one's more big picture? That sort of thing. Yeah, anyway. it's always all fascinating right. to see, like, you know, people who grew up in the same households, how they can be so different. Exactly. So here we go. All right. So let's kick it off. What gives you energy? So this is extroversion versus introversion. So on the extroversion side, I'll just read a quick description. Um, and you've got the bullets in there as well to have a look at. So extroversion are those people with a preference um, who are energized through contact with other people, through engaging in activities and that connection with the outer world. On the other side, you've got people with a preference for introversion. These are the folks who are energized through ideas, quiet times or solitude and more energized through that inner world. So where do you fall? You know, I think this one for me has always been quite interesting um, because I think I'm right on the line of it. So mm -hmm. a little bit of one side, a little bit of the other side. However, over the past number of months, I mean, many, many people have been quite isolated because yeah. of COVID-19 and because of the inability to actually have connection with folks. And not, I actually haven't minded it all that much. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been okay. So as I look at this, I'm like, you know, I think definitely leaning more towards the introversion, you know, drawn to the inner world. I do really like to reflect on ideas. Um, focus on my in-depth interests. I think I would call myself private. I know that I sometimes manifest as an extrovert. I can turn it on. And I know that's the thing about MBTI. It doesn't mean that you aren't, can't be like the other, yeah. like the other aspects, but you just, it's what your preference. So long story to say, I think my preference would be on the introversion or I. All right. And, and you know, you think you're right in terms of the, I actually said to somebody this morning, I said, I definitely am an extrovert, have a preference for extroversion. I am energized by interacting with people and being in that outer world. Um, but I've really found over the last year of the pandemic of 
you know, there's been a lot less socializing, a lot less interaction um, with groups of people. And uh, I actually haven't minded it either. So I think it's, you know, we also sort of adapt to the circumstances that we're in. But if I had to put it out there, um, I would definitely score out as extroversion. All right, so point for both sides uh, as we go forward. <laughs> So let's look at the second one. So the second one is how we take in information. So this is sensing versus intuition. On the sensing side, this is people with a preference for sensing that gather information through, through what we perceive through the five senses, right? I can feel it, hear it, touch it, smell it, taste it. Uh, and you know, I'd like things that are practical. Uh, on the other side, on the intuition side, this is people um, with a preference over here. They like to gather information through what might be described as that sixth sense that unseen world of meanings, um, inferences, hunches, you know, insights and connections and having sort of that gut feeling about something. So where do you think you fall on this one? This one's often a tricky one for people. Nope. And all the way I go oh, yeah? with my gut. Yes, absolutely. Nope. I think, you know, as I read the other pieces, I think <clears throat> so too. move quickly to conclusions, follow hunches. I think so. I definitely follow hunches. Yeah. Um, I, you know, want to clarify ideas and theories before putting them into practice. I think so. Like novelty and learning new skills, trust, inspiration, oriented to future possibilities. Yeah, I think it definitely end for definitely me. you. Awesome, cool. And I would fall on the sensing side. Um, you know, factual, concrete, practical. You know, one of the things is, um, you know, trust experience. So I don't know, you've probably heard me say in the past, well, we've done it like this before in my experience, in my experience is a term I use often <laughs> in my experience, we've done it like this. Uh, and so it's that, you know, here's how I've done it before. How can I apply this going forward? Whereas you're like, let's be inspired and see where we could go with this. Yeah. Okay. So we've got uh, another score on each side of the scale here. So let's look at the next one. How do we make decisions? So this is thinking versus feeling that head versus heart. So people with a preference for thinking prefer to make decisions based on impartial criteria, cause and effect, reasoning, constant principles or truths and logic. Um, and on the other side, feeling, these are the people with a preference. Um, they make decisions based on values or person-centered um, criteria and they like to create harmony. I definitely know where you fall on this one. <laughs> I would be a capital F yes. on this one. Yes. <laughs> Definitely like to create harmony and think about the impact on people. Um, absolutely guided by my personal values too. This That one is yeah. stuck out for me on that piece. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and I'm sure you can guess where I fall as well on the other side. Um, definitely more on the logic thinking, um, you know, reasonable. And, you know, the, I always love the definition of fair between these two is, you know, fair on the thinking side is wanting everyone to be treated equally. I always think of our, our grandma, our one grandmother, who always gave us each like, you know, $20 for Christmas or whatever it was. Like everybody gets exactly the same thing. Everyone is treated exactly the same. Um, and then on the feeling side, you know, fair is you want everyone to be treated as an individual. And, then, you know, and I would take our other grandma, you know who I'm talking about on that one and you know you would go through the Sears catalog at Christmas and check off what you want and she would get you you know what you specifically wanted as an individual so it was oh it's just very different between those two those two examples okay <laughs> so again remember, that. <laughs> remember which grandmother I am uh, most like there. <laughs> there you go 
So checking off uh, both, both columns in that one as well. Okay, so the last one. So this is um, how you approach life and how you deal with the outer world. So on the, this is judging versus perceiving. So on the judging side, um, people with a preference for judging, they wanna live an orderly life with goals and structure. They wanna make decisions so they can move on. They like things to be settled. Um, and on the perceiving side, these are people with a preference um, to live a spontaneous life. They wanna be flexible. They wanna stay open to new information and new possibilities. They'll adapt and change course. Um, and you know, two other descriptions on this one, on the perceiving side, you know, these folks are feel energized by those last minute pressures, whereas those on the judging side, they try to avoid those last minute pressures. That's not how they roll. Where do you fall yeah. here? Well, this one's a bit tougher because years and years ago when I did this, I was a J and I would say often professionally, probably a J. But yeah. as I read this, I am resonating more with P and perceiving, certainly in my personal life. Um so that's why I struggle with this one. And perhaps I'm a bit on the line for this one too. But I think as I read through, you know, spontaneous, flexible and casual, let life happen, adapt and change course, like things loose and open to change, that resonates a lot more with me. So I think yeah. I'm going to land on P. There you one. go. And, you know, it's interesting you say about sort of at work and stuff like that. Definitely people adapt. And this is where like Myers-Briggs, we have these innate, innate preferences um, for one side or the other of the dichotomy, um, but we adapt, right? And oftentimes, especially in work settings, you see people trying to be more on the J side. You know, I have deadlines to meet, I have projects to manage, whatever it is, um, but, you know, put me in my personal life and I get up on a Saturday morning and I don't want to have plans. I just want to see what happens, right? Whereas I get up on a Saturday morning and go, what's the plan today, dear? <laughs> you know, Scott's uh, doesn't have a plan. Let's see what happens. <laughs> He's on the other side. <laughs> um, okay, so you fall on the P. I definitely fall on the J. And the thing that resonates for me on that side is the having things settled, like decisions done. I don't like it when decisions or activities linger and like I just want it crossed off the list these are the people who love a good list and love crossing things off on their to-do list I am definitely that person and I am at work like I have my to-do yep. list at work that I love uh but yeah in my personal life I don't I don't love it partly because I don't actually ever get anything done on my to-do <laughs> list on the personal side of things there you go Okay, so we are uh, fairly opposite. Interesting. Not fairly, we are the opposite on every single one. I know. <laughs> Here we are. Um, so let's look at that. So you are scoring out as an ENFP. I think uh, you said I, I would. INFP, sorry, INFP. Oh. And I would score out as an ESTJ. So let's have a look. So so the personality preference conversation, that's the first step is figuring out what do you think your Myers-Briggs type is as you read the definitions, et cetera. From there, where you can go is thinking about, well, how does that impact me related to change, right? How do I react to change? Um, what do I need to think about if I'm the leader of change about the different personality types that I may have on my team or in my organization? Uh, so if we think about our two different personality types and think about the first two letters. So in the book, uh, you can look at some definitions of typical reactions to change based on Myers-Briggs. Uh, so let's look at the first two letters. For, so for you, that is I-N, mm -hmm. introversion, intuition. And for me, that's E-S, extroversion, sensing. 
Um, so if we look at those descriptions on page 86, um, just have a read through that and you know what it is it what is it that resonates with you? Yeah, I think I did I did have a, a quick read and it definitely rings true for me. Um, the piece and I, I mentioned it earlier about the values. I have I have as I've started to reflect more and just become more self-aware, I realize how important my values are to me with regards to change. And mm -hmm. so, you know, thinking about what well, we were going through some change, some change in my professional life. I had a new, a new leader that I was working with and our, our values weren't aligned. Uh, and some of the things that he was moving forward, some of the decisions he was making, I eventually was, I, I was feeling really awkward about them and having a hard time probably resisting them uh, and recognize now, and certainly reading this, that it was related to the values. They just didn't line up with my values. Interesting, yeah. Um, so yeah, this sentence, that one really, really rung true for me, that resistance rears its head if the change contradicts something that is very important to them or one of their values. Yeah, interesting, cool. And I would say for me on the, so extroversion and sensing is these people focus on practicality, which is totally what I look at. Like, is this a practical change? Does it make sense in my world of sense? Um, you know, and, and if I believe it, if it's practical, it makes sense, then I'm on board. Like, let's do it because it's going to be more efficient or it's going to make things better, whatever it is, how I believe things will be better, right? Um, and then they can move to new beginnings quickly. Like I can definitely be that person. Okay, processed. Great. Let's move on uh and uh get to, you know get to the next thing so very cool so yeah having a look at that and thinking about what's my personality type looking at some of these definitions and uh and seeing what resonates with you about how you reflect on change mm -hmm. so then you know doing the same thing if you think about past experiences and past change experiences and how did your personality preferences potentially influence or reaction uh your reactions or actions so similar, you just gave an example there. Yeah, so I think definitely the values piece. I think also, you know, understanding the big picture and the direction of the change, I kind of need to know that. If I think about uh, some personal changes, you know, with regards to moving, we did a, you know, fairly large move a number of years ago from the city to a much smaller town and mm -hmm. just needed to understand the big picture. You know, what does this mean for our life? Why are we right. doing this? What is it going to mean for me five, 10 years down the road and for my partner? And just really needed to understand that and kind of noodle away at it a little bit, I find. And I think that like, actually that's the next line, isn't it? They will want time to think about and process the change and its impact. So that's exactly it. There you go. How do they <laughs> know that go. about me? <laughs> <laughs> like you're in my head. How did you do this? Exactly. But it, that's, that is really, that is what I think I need. And so as I think about other changes, yeah, I need to know, okay, where are we going? What does the end, maybe not the end, but what does the direction look like? Mm -hmm. And kind of sort through that a little bit in my head before I can fully get on board. Awesome. I know, and it's good to like, think about this, right? So, and you think about, so there's your kind of bent towards it. And my bent is like, I can think of, you know, call it a simple change years ago in an organization I was working in and we were changing some stuff for business planning and things we had to do and fill out and papers, paperwork and stuff like that. And I'm like, but it's not practical. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would we do that kind of thing? And so I was quite resistant to it. Um, and meanwhile, it, you know, other people are like, well, it's fine. Like, this is just because this is our new way of doing things. But I'm like, it's not practical. It seems inefficient. 
Um, and so that was my resistance, right? Let alone whatever the big picture was. Um, and, and so just knowing that as you're leading change in an organization, people come at this from different ways. And how do you present it um, in a way, we talk later about communications planning, um, but how do you present it in a way that resonates with people um, of different personality types? Because you're going to have all these different personality types within your organization. Mm-hmm. And I think too, also so valuable to understand your own areas of resistance and your own personality type to then help help share that with others, right? Exactly. Like to help your team members say, this is where I have some resistance to make it okay for them to have resistance. I yeah. think sometimes yeah. as leaders and honestly, sometimes as team members, we think that we're just expected to go along with the change and resistance is bad maybe helping our team members understand, look, I experience resistance. We all do. This is why this is how I have recognized about myself Mm -hmm. and what I have learned. So it's okay. If you, if you're, you're going to have an issue and we can have a conversation and talk through what that may be. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a whole chapter on resistance, uh, chapter three in the book, um, to give people some ideas of what is it, what does that look like, right? How does resistance manifest itself? Um, why do people resist, et cetera. So there's a whole chapter on that. Perhaps that's a future podcast that we do. Um, awesome. Okay. So then uh, the last question is, you know, what, again, we just were talking about it, right? What do you keep in mind about personality preferences when leading others through change? And exactly what you just said, sort of recognizing how I reacted, thinking about these different personality types and how, what do I need to be doing? How do I need to be communicating and, and what conversations do I need to be having um, with different folks to engage them? and uh, get them on board. Mm -hmm. And I think even more to what I just said as well, you know, having the openness, the willingness, the willingness to be vulnerable, to share with others Mm -hmm. what your, you know, how, how you personally work through change and how you've done it in the past so that others are comfortable kind of coming to you and having those discussions about what, uh, what their personality preference may be. And exactly. And this is the whole, you know, premise of the conversations in the book is that change is not going away. It's no longer that sort of one time event that happens, especially in organizations, right? And then, you know, you go back to some sort of normal change has been constant uh, these days. And the more that we can sort of understand how we react to it, how we process it, uh, and can embrace it, as I say, embrace change, lead better, uh, we can we can move through it, right? And sort of take what comes our way and be able to process it and figure out what to do with it and move forward. Awesome. Well, this has been very helpful, even just these few minutes to revisit this. Uh, lots more for me to noodle in, uh, noodle on in here and think more about how I've reacted to change in the past and how we can help support others. But this is, a, this is really helpful. It's a great chapter in the book. Excellent. All right, personality preferences conversation. Go have yours with yourself today.